This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Get it going on a Wednesday. Welcome into Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We are coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. With a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement, even the DLBasementSystems.com. Hanging out uh, with Callum and Cam on this Wednesday afternoon. Gentlemen, thanks for being along for the ride. Thanks for having us, buddy. Always a pleasure, Logan. You're, you're paid to be here, but that's fine. We'll ignore that. You have to be here. <laughs> By choice. Yeah. Uh, lots to get to on the program today. Some signings for the Calgary Wranglers as they continue to round out their AHL roster ahead of the upcoming season. Also checking on the Toronto Blue Jays. Big win yesterday as they kicked off a series against the Chicago White Sox. Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet and the At The Letters podcast going to join us here in Hour 1. Hour 2, Stamps report with Patty Dumas coming up. Stamps getting set to travel out to Winnipeg. For their week five matchup against the Blue Bombers. And we'll continue checking around the NHL on one of some of the busier teams since free agency opened. Checked it on the Maple Leafs yesterday. We'll stay in Ontario. We'll check it on the Sens. Ian Mendez is going to join us from the Athletic. They take a couple of really interesting steps in free agency, including giving Jonas Corpusalo one of the bigger deals handed out during free agency. Alex Debrinkit still yet to be traded. Their name is swirling around as far as rumors go with Vlad Tarasenko. So still lots of work to be done for the Ottawa Senators. So we'll check in with Ian Mendez in hour two. And then later on tonight, we'll take you out to Chicago once again. Jays and White Sox game two of their series from Chicago. So lots to get to on the program. A quick reminder, the fan feedback line is always open to you here on Sportsnet today. 960-960. Chime in with your thoughts, your questions, your queries. If you want to know what Callum's up to on a Wednesday, you can go ahead and ask him. Really not much. No? Nothing good, I'm sure. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I got Nothing this... he can share on the radio, at <laughs> least. I got this Tim Hortons pizza today, and usually I'm a huge advocate for Tim's, but I got to say, this is maybe the worst thing they've done. Really? Yeah, it's, 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 it's not good. Wow. Stay clear from the pizza, guys. If you want uh, Callum's hot takes on Tim Hortons pizza... Nine six zero nine. The place to be. <laughs> if there, if it wasn't uh, like a slower day, I'd, I'd probably dive more into <laughs> it. But maybe we'll save that for later. We'll, uh, we'll That's a good it. bit. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised. I'll say that. 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm shocked that I, I am surprised, actually. I went into it thinking it would be better than it is, and uh, yeah, who would have thought that Tim's can't really make pizza? Hmm. Good to know. Uh, again, 960-960, fan feedback line open to you. We'll start with uh, the local news, the Calgary Wranglers inking five players to contracts today. Uh, two forwards, two goalies, and a defenseman. Alex Gallant, Mark Duarte, Jared Gorley, goaltender Matt Radomski, and goaltender Connor Murphy all signed to AHL contracts in the Flames organization. Uh, four of the five will be uh, a part of the Flames development camp, which gets underway today with uh, physicals at Winsport. Alex Glant uh, will not be part of that group. He skated in his 300th career AHL game this past season, played 46 games with the Wranglers, getting six points and accumulating 114 penalty minutes. Uh, the rest, some young bodies added into the Flames organization who will get a chance with the Wranglers throughout the season. And like I mentioned, uh, will be part of the development camp roster that gets going the next couple days at Winsport. Team Vernon taking on Team Kippersoft throughout the week. All starts with physicals on this Wednesday before they hit the ice on Thursday morning at Winsport. Uh, we will talk about uh, free agent signings. Who's still out there? Uh, you know, the names circling around teams right now with uh, Ian Mendez and how it relates to the Senators in hour two, but did want to take a quick look at the, the list of players still remaining out there in free agency right now. Uh, maybe a bit about how it pertains to the Calgary Flames. Obviously, the, the latest on Calgary, you heard Pat on, on Flames Talk yesterday if you uh, tuned in. You know, still a bit of a waiting game with Noah Hannafin and, and Elias Lindholm. Not a lot of cap space freed up for the Calgary Flames right now. But we're a couple days past, you know, Saturday's opening of free agency. So I thought now a good time to look and see who's still out there. Are there any names still around that would interest teams? We can even, you know, relate it back to the Calgary Flames and, you know, pretend money's not an issue. Are there fits for the Calgary Flames out there in free agency? If they do happen to open up some cap space, I would... Say to any Flames fan a bit worried about free agents. You know, last year it took a while before Nazem Kadri signed, and he was one of the top free agents out there. I don't know that. I don't think there's going to be that caliber of player left late in the offseason this year. There just really wasn't that deep of a class of free agent this time around. But you never know when the Flames or if the Flames find some time to, to open up some cap space and do want to dive into the free agent pool, who might be out there and at what cost. So let's go through some of them today. One of the big names we'll talk about on the show today is Vladimir Tarasenko. He's probably by far the top remaining free agent still out there. Uh, former St. Louis Blue, obviously went to, to the New York Rangers at the trade deadline last year, finished the season in 69 games, 50 points. Uh, he's just 31 years old, so still... Obviously at a productive point in his career, but now looking for that next contract. And there's a lot going on with Vladimir Tarasenko right now, including the fact that Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada tweeted out a little bit earlier today that he has new representation. Uh, J.P. Barry and Pat Brisson, two of the biggest agents in hockey. They're part of the CAA group. Uh, they now represent Vladimir Tarasenko. And according to Elliot, that means that there's no deal in place with any team. But the process 
for him and where he might sign sort of resets today. And there's been a lot of rumors swirling that once the Ottawa Senators find a new home for Alex Dabrinkit, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is likely to slide into that spot um, as a top-line winger, top-line scorer for the Ottawa Senators. So Vladimir Tarasenko is still out there. Uh, a couple other names in the forward group that, that might interest teams. Uh, Patrick Kane is a, a future Hall of Famer, obviously. Similar situation to Tarasenko. few years older. He actually uh, outproduced Tarasenko last year, 57 points in 73 games. He did have hip surgery, though, and uh, a hip resurfacing surgery, I believe it was. So he's out until November, December this season. Um, so teams may be wanting to wait a bit to get a, a feel for Patrick Kane and see what kind of options. He's obviously going to take a, a big pay cut from his previous contract with some making just over $10.5 million per season with the Chicago Blackhawks. That's not going to be the same contract that's out there now at 34 years old for Patrick Kane. And you got to wonder uh, if this is a scenario where Patrick Kane, who's already won multiple Stanley Cups to the Blackhawks, is he looking to you know, go somewhere where he's never played before? Is he looking to go to a contender? What kind of criteria is going to fit the mold for a Patrick Kane? Could that affect the type of, of number that we see him sign at. Other forwards still around the free agent class. Uh, Max Comtois is a younger option out there, formerly the Anaheim Ducks. He's just 24 years old. Uh, Tomas Tatar is out there, former New Jersey Devil. Oscar Sundquist, Dennis Gurianoff, Pia Suter is out there. Noah Gregor, former San Jose Shark. Uh, Zach McEwen, Dennis Malgin. Older options like Kessel and Stastny. Um, it's really not a deep class. Jonathan Taves is a name I should throw out there as well. It's just not. It kind of fits the mold of what's been most of this free agent class anyways. Is that it's just not. There's just not a lot of, of top end talent here. I don't think there's any. I, I think Tarasenko is a great player. Do I think he's a game changing player? Uh, at this point in his career, I'd probably say no. Like we mentioned, just you know, 50 points last year in 69 games. Good player, good score. Obviously, going to fit on any team's power play situation for sure. But not a guy that I think you're going to see break the bank. I think we're done seeing long-term deals in free agency. Of this class just doesn't strike me as any of these guys left to commit long-term or dollars to. The D side is is really less deep even than uh, the forward side of things, which might be a positive if you're uh, you know, a fan of the Calgary Flames wondering what's going to happen with, with Noah Hannafin. Matt Dumba, I, I think, is probably the consensus top remaining defenseman in this class for Minnesota Wild, 28 years old. He's a right-to-shot defenseman, 79 games last year, 14 points. Obviously a cap casualty out there for the Minnesota Wild who just couldn't afford to keep him anymore. Past that, I mean, whew, the defensive class is really not strong. Uh, you're talking about guys like Oscar Clefbaum who might not play again. Um, Jake Gardner are, are some of the names out there. 
you know, uh, Patrick Nemeth is a guy that played 75 games last year. And all of that to say, well, I know a lot of people are worried right now that perhaps the options for the Calgary Flames, as far as trade partners have gone, for Noah Hannafin have, have sort of dwindled. I, I think that's certainly the case, but I still think there's going to be enough teams looking out there and saying, we need to make a, an impact move on our D and there's nobody else out there. Maybe it's time to circle back to the Calgary Flames. Maybe reconsider some of those conversations we had about Noah Hannafin because I like, I like Matt Dumba. I think he's a good player. I think Noah Hannafin. Uh, younger, and I think a, a better overall defenseman than Matt Dumba is. And again, I, I go back even to the beginning of free agency. I still think Noah Hannafin would have been the best, if not close to the top of the list type of player out there, given what this free agent class was. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if the patience does pay off for Craig Conroy and, and the Calgary Flames management group about Noah Hannafin, because like I said, they're really, I like, I mean, do you take a chance on Ethan bear who got injured at the world championships? Okay. He's 26 played in 61 games last year. He's going to be hurt to start the season. And again, Noah Hannafin is a significantly better defenseman than Ethan bear is. There's just not a lot out there for teams to sign on the free agent market right now. I think it makes a lot of sense to go out there and if you're Craig Connor, I say, look, we've still got the best piece available to any team out there looking to uh, improve their D. And sure, teams have, have pivoted. I think the Florida Panthers were one of the teams that, you know, was around there. Uh, and they, look, they pivoted. They went to uh, Alvrechtman Larson as, a, as an option. They added a couple of fringe pieces around, but again, do I think that anything that they added was as good as what Noah Hannafin was? No, but that's also uh, a zero acquisition cost to go out and get uh, a Mike Riley and get an all Reckman Larson. Those guys just cost you money on the salary cap. They don't cost you assets out the door like Noah Hannafin is going to. Uh, as far as goaltenders go, a couple people on the text line wondering uh, what's out there for goaltenders. Uh, not much would be uh, probably the best way to put it. Uh, if you're looking for a veteran backup goaltender, perhaps a, a few uh, options for you out there. Uh, can I interest you in Yaroslav Halak at 36 years old? Uh, Martin Jones, former Calgary hitman, coming off a pretty good year with the Seattle Kraken. Can I interest you in Thomas Grice, like, I mean, the top option out there is, is probably Martin Jones. He by far played the most of any goaltender left in this free agent class at 48 games. Uh, then you're talking Halak at 38, not 36. Whoops. Uh, Tomas Grice is 20, uh, played 21 games last year. Did not put up good numbers. A 364 and an 895 save percentage. Brian Elliott's at 38 years old, the former Flames goaltender. Tampa Bay moved on from that for another option. It is not great. And again, you know, circling back to the Calgary Flames once again, if you have an option like Dan Vladar and somebody's looking to improve their goaltending or at least 
make a you know a, a better bet on somebody, I would put Dan Vladar close to the top of this list uh, as well. I, I think you know there's a couple interesting RFA options. Bruins have to figure something out with Jeremy Swayman. Uh, the Leafs and Ilya Samsonov is a conversation we've had before. Philip Gustafson in the Minnesota Wild are an interesting one to watch. But if you're the Calgary Flames, and again, this is where that patience might, I'm saying might because we don't know what it looks like, it might pay off if you're a team looking and saying, look, we really don't have any good options here for goaltending. Who's out there that we can go out and get right now? I think Dan Vladar makes a, a very safe bet for a lot of teams looking to solidify their goaltending and perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm not going to close the door on Dan expanding his role in the NHL one day. I think he could absolutely do that. He's still at a young enough age to potentially see that growth in his game. I know others like Brent Cron, who we've had on here, you know, maybe doesn't see him as a, as a true number one going forward. But, uh, I mean, given what's out there, you'd have to think that a guy like Dan Vladar would be interested. Now, again, what teams are out there that are, are looking to improve their goaltending at this point in the offseason? Uh, there's certainly less than there were before, but that's sort of the risk you take in all of this if you're Craig Connor and you're the Calgary Flames. Uh, again, uh, coming up on the show, we'll chat with Arden Zwelling, Jays and White Sox. Uh, big news around the Toronto Blue Jays right now. Alec Manoa back with the Toronto Blue Jays. He'll make his return uh, to the mound at the major league level on Friday against the Detroit Tigers. John Schneider announcing that yesterday. So interesting to see just one Florida Complex League start for Manoa. It didn't go well, but uh, he's back up with the major league group. Hunjin Ryu now uh, starting games the Florida Complex League himself. He had a much better outing than teammate Alec Manoa did. So what's his timeline look like to get back with the Jays and potentially pitch some games uh, for Toronto in the last year of his contract? We'll ask Arden Zwelling about that as the day goes on. Stamps report coming up with Patty Dumas to kick off Hour 2. More free agent talk. Uh, all news around the Ottawa Senators coming up with Ian Mendez. In hour two, and a quick reminder, uh, coming up next week, really looking forward to this, one of our favorite events on the uh, Sportsnet calendar. We are going to be out uh, for the Brian Burks Targets for Kids on July 11th. Uh, myself and Steinberg going to be out there for one of Brian Burke's favorite pastime hobbies, clay shooting, target shooting. They make a great event out of it, all in support of our pals at Kids Sport Calgary and area. 2023, the seventh year for this event. They've raised over $150,000 in the first six years. It's been recognized by the Calgary Event, event Awards as one of the top fundraising events in the city, uh, and you can be a part of it. So how does it work? Will you sign up your team of four and get ready for the big day? Will you receive some expert instruction? They'll give you a safety demo. You get a barbecue lunch. You get to rub elbows with all the local celebs that come out. Uh, Chris Cedarstrand will be there. Jesse Lumsden will be there. Uh, I'm sure Berkey will make an appearance. He always does. Uh, and you get to hang out with a great group out there raising money for kids sport. You get to shoot a few targets or, or try. If it's your first time out, you might not hit anything, but you can certainly give it a go. And then there's a dinner with your team afterwards. 
Uh, you get to have some fun, have some laughs, and all of it is raising dollars for Kidsport Calgary and area, who, again, we love helping out with. They're one of the best organizations you'll find anywhere. They're helping vulnerable youth get into sport, no matter uh, what the barriers might be for cost of equipment or registration fees. Uh, Kidsport always looking out uh, for the kids in this area and trying to get them involved in sports, and this is one of their best events. And you can be a part of it if you want more information on how to get involved. Head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. A reminder, Brian Burks, targets for kids coming up July 11th. Myself and Pat Steinberg will be out there uh, broadcasting live from the event, and we'll uh, we'll bring you some of those local celebs and talk about what's one of our favorite days uh, during the summer calendar. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Blue Jays started their series off against the White Sox with a big win yesterday and perhaps getting some reinforcements on the pitching staff. Alec Manoa set to rejoin the team. We will uh, hear from Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet and the At The Letters podcast. All things Blue Jays coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The 2-1. That's hit up the right field line, headed towards the corner, back at the wall, and it's gone! Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with a go-ahead homer in the eighth. And the Blue Jays have a 4-3 lead on the south side. Felt like the Jays needed that one. Maybe felt like Vladdy needed that one, maybe more than anybody. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you, Jays. Pick up a series opening win against the White Sox yesterday. Thanks to that home run from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Solid outing for Chris Bassett. And they continue that series tonight. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan or watch it on Sportsnet. That's just one of the many Jays storylines floating around right now that we're going to dive into as we head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Welcome in from Sportsnet and the At The Letters podcast. Arden Zwelling joins us this afternoon. Arden, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Good. Logan, what's going on? Not much, man. Uh, good start for the Jays to this series against Chicago. Let's uh, start with Vladdy there. It felt like uh, he needed that one. We were starting to see some of that power back in his bat, but that's one of those Vladdy home runs that I think people associate with him. The average human doesn't doesn't get that ball over the fence, but Vladdy does. Yeah, it's one of those homers that only Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits. Not many other folks take a slider up in the zone, swing out of their shoes at it, uh, don't get all of it, and still have enough raw power to muscle it over the opposite field fence. Like for a lot of hitters, I'd say 99% of hitters, that is a fly ball to the right fielder. But because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is different and extremely uncommon, it's a home run. Are we starting to see some of those things from him that, that makes us feel like he's getting back to the, the Vladdy that Jays fans want him to be? I think that some of the swing decisions over the last several weeks have been encouraging. So often you've seen him not expanding his zone to go off, to go after that breaking ball just off the outside edge or that first pitch two-seamer that's running in on his hands. Um, I think he's just been a lot more selective and uh, a lot more comfortable embracing the discomfort of potentially falling behind an account by taking a really tough strike. 
and taking a pitcher's pitch that's going to make him a one or one one or sometimes even into a two strike count because it's not a pitch you can really do damage against because for for how special Vladdy is and for the amount of pitches that he can get his bat to and put in play at a high rate of speed for him to really make the most of his power for him to really clear the fences consistently he needs to be getting to mistakes he needs to be getting to pitches in areas of the zone where he could drive them so i think that just seeing him get deeper into plate appearances and lay off of some of the pitches that he was making outs on earlier in the year is encouraging but it absolutely needs to continue in order for the blue jays to be successful uh, where are you on uh, Vladdy heading out to the the home run derby? I know there's always mixed responses when you uh, ask about a player going there. Do you think this might be actually an opportunity for Vladdy to get some of his confidence back when it comes to, to being that power hitter, Arden? I think he's going to go and have fun and put on a show and have a good time. Yeah. Like I don't really think that there's any carryover from the home run derby into performance over the final two months. Like there's nothing to prove that there's no data to suggest that there's no evidence for that. It's just one of those concepts or ideas that has existed in the game that are completely false. And one of these things that people believe, Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cool exhibition. It's not dissimilar from the batting practice that he takes before every single game. Uh, And it's going to be cool to see him compete. Uh, another great performance last night from Chris Bassett. He goes six innings strong. Uh, are we starting to see uh, Bassett turn things around? Now that maybe he's out of his own head when it comes to the, the whole calling his own pitches and that sort of thing that he's talked about this year? Well, he still does call his own pitches to an extent because he can shake off his catcher. Yeah, right? so yeah like true. Every pitcher, <laughs> yeah. every pitcher, whether or not they have the reverse pitch comp, is calling their own pitches to a certain extent. Jordan Amano throws a fastball and a slider, and if Dane Jansen calls for a slider and Jordan Romano doesn't want to throw it, he shakes and he throws a fastball. So lots of pitchers call their own games. I think for Bassett, he is a guy who is probably just benefiting from feeling a bit better physically on the mound right now than he was perhaps through the middle of June. I think he battled some physical stuff that he couldn't really get on top of because the Blue Jays were running a four-man rotation. So Bassett was regularly having to pitch on four days rest. So he was skipping bullpens in between starts and not lifting as much as he would have wanted to and just not really training and preparing his body the way we want, he would have wanted to because of some physical things that were limiting him. And then that bleeds over into how much he can work on his pitches and how much he can stay on top of seven different offerings. And on some nights, eight, uh, that takes a lot of work and that takes a lot of time. Uh, and Chris Bassett didn't really have the opportunity to do that. So with so just getting Alec Manoa back into their rotation, getting back into a five-man rotation, it should give them some more opportunity to give Chris Bassett time off between outings, which should be beneficial for him going forward. He's been probably everything that Jay's management has hoped he'd be coming in as a free agent so far, eh? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know what, he's got like a four ERA I think he'd probably like that maybe to be a little bit lower, but mm-hmm. he's been entirely fine for like a 34-year-old without overpowering stuff who relies a bit on guile and, and relies on outthinking hitters and going left when they think he's going to go right and sort of throwing the kitchen sink and uh, a little bit on deception in his delivery as well. We don't talk often enough about the fact that the guy is – like what six five six six yeah. that throws from a very abnormally low release point because he has this weird drop and drive delivery that you really don't see often from um, athletes of his stature. 
most pitchers who are his, as big as him would be more over the top. And Chris Bassett really gets down low, which allows his sinker to play really well at the bottom of the zone. And then he can kind of move in different directions, either with that sinker and that change up going to his arm side or the cutter slider sweeper going to his glove side at uh, kind of different um, varying degrees of horizontal movement. And then, oh, he drops in like a 70 mile per hour curveball as well. So there's a lot going on there. And I think, you know, the Blue Jays knew what they're signing up for, and, and they should be happy with how that contract has worked out so far. Uh, one more on the uh, current guy on the pitching rotation right now, I guess, in the, the Jays' bullpen right now. Uh, Jordan Romano comes in, picks up his 25th save of the season last night, uh, just throwing like a, a zillion sliders last night. They all seem to work for him. Uh, as he finished things off last night. Is this the, the best version of Jordan Romano that the Jays have seen so far in your mind, Arden, or have we seen a, a better version of him at other times? I think he was better the last couple of years, honestly. like He's given up some more homers this year than he has in the past. I think if you just look at the ERA, he was closer to two over the last two seasons, or this year it's around three. So um, I, I think we've seen a better Jordan Romano in the past, but I, I do think it's encouraging that he bounces back from giving up that homer to Alex Verdugo with the outing that that you you know that, that you're referencing there, where he was just dominant and mm-hmm. recognized that the White Sox were sitting fastball and happy to expand and chase sliders, and they said, "Okay, I'm going to spam you with sliders," and he threw like. 11 of his 13 pitches were sliders, and he got something like eight or nine swinging strikes on them. It's uh, pretty remarkable. It's a really good pitch. Um, we know Jordan Romano's got that 98-mile-per-hour fastball, sometimes up to 99 even, uh, and that's obviously overwhelming, but his slider moves a ton, and he feels really confident locating it and uh, leaning on it as his his primary weapon sometimes. So that's going to allow him to avoid bouts of predictability uh, when he can come out and be a slider-heavy guy, whereas some other times he can come out and be a fastball-heavy guy. Uh, and that is one way where I think Jordan Romano is advanced now versus in the past, is that I think for a lot of lefties in the past, they kind of knew he was going to challenge them with a fastball first pitch in the past. And I think that some of them ambushed him in those scenarios, mm-hmm. whereas now I think it's probably you know good to mix in that, that slider a bit more. Uh, so good start for the Jays against Chicago. We'll obviously watch and see what happens tonight. But a lot of Blue Jays fans aren't obviously talking about uh, what John Schneider had to say yesterday, and that's that Alec Manoa set to rejoin the club. Uh, he'll be on the mound for a start on Friday. What did you make of the, the timing of this from, from John Schneider and the Blue Jays? I'm curious how you see the, the sort of timeline for him as far as his time spent in Florida and now coming back at the, this point for the uh, Major League start on Friday. Yeah, he's been gone for a month, so it's a pretty extended amount of time, and he spent two weeks in the lab refining some things and working on some things biomechanically, and now he's had two outings at the minor league level since, and one of them did not go well results-wise at all in the complex league, and one of them went very well at A, where Manoa struck out 10 over five innings. I think the, the constant across both of them is that he was throwing strikes, and that the fastball lost, he was there. The final pitch he threw in his outing at AA was 95 miles per hour. So that's a good sign. Um, I think that the Blue Jays would like to see more from the slider with him, certainly. And they'd like to see a bit more bite on it and uh, a bit more of just an ability to both land it for strikes and throw it strike to ball to get hitters to expand. And then obviously, arm side command of the fastball is just huge 
for Manoa, whether that is in to righties or away uh, from lefties. So, you know, those are some of the big process things with him. And then obviously it's, uh, you know, confidence on the mound and it's tempo and it's just the demeanor that he's taking through his outing. I think you saw a lot of that at double A as he was striking out minor league hitters. It looked like a lot of confidence, a lot of swag. So uh, clearly he's shown the Blue Jays uh, enough where they feel confident inserting him into what is a pretty soft entry point against Detroit Tigers, must be said. Mm. Not a particularly competitive lineup. A lot of righties in that lineup. Um, You know, it's uh, he's coming off of a great platform outing. Having struck out 10 over 5 at double A, he'll have a lot of confidence he's carrying into this outing. But I think we're all very curious just to see how it plays out because there's certainly uh, it certainly is not without risk going back into the major leagues at this point. You mentioned a couple of those characteristics that the Jays saw from him in those starts that, that were going to give them that positive feeling about it. If you had to narrow it down, Arden, to, to one or two of those, that he could take into Friday that you most wanted to see from him at the major league level, which of those would it be? Uh, repeatability of his delivery would be the biggest one okay. for me. I think where things go awry for him is where he just comes out of his delivery and he's not getting down the mound effectively and he's just not being rotational. He's not tapping into the power in his legs. And then that's where he loses bite on a slider and that's where he loses velo on his fastball and that's where he misses arm side with his fastball or his slider is just yanked way too far to the glove side to even uh, get a hitter to think about offering at it. So I think that it really just is consistency in his mechanics and repeatability in his delivery. Uh, and that comes down to, you know, his conditioning that comes down to the cues that he's reminding himself of physically and mentally on the mound. And I think that comes down to tempo as well and working at a, a good rhythm and, and a good pace. So I'll be curious to see those things on Friday. Initially, without seeing what he provides to the team on Friday, would you expect him to be back in the five-man rotation for a bit here? Or is this sort of a, look, let's see what we get out of him at the major league level and then go from there kind of situation? I think it would have to be particularly disastrous for him not to make yeah. another start after this one. Right? It would have to be like, that you know one out start that he had prior to being demoted it would have to be that bad if he goes five innings allows three earned like that's not an amazing era outing but i think that's an outing the blue jays would take and they would be happy to have him build off of so you know even if it's like four runs over five innings i still think that you know the blue jays will will let him carry that into the all-star break throw a couple bullpens and, and try to build on that going forward so i think he's he's back in this rotation uh for some time unless things uh you know unless it's a a, a particularly doomsday scenario uh arden Zwellings along with us from sportsnet.ca uh, the Blue Jays broadcast on Sportsnet and, of course, the Athletics podcast. Uh, just a couple more for you, Arden. Uh, a couple of uh, good starts now for Hunjin Ryu, uh, including one of the Florida Complex League. He's working his way back from an injury. Do we have any sort of timeline on, on when we're hoping to see him back in, in Blue Jays colors or what's the, the outlook look for him right now? Well, it would be within 30 days because he started a rehab assignment. You get 30 days on those. So, that's one where you are going to be very deliberate and you are going to be very cautious because we know over hundreds and, and thousands of Tommy John rehabilitations that there are um, velocity fluctuations, that there are setbacks, there is soreness that, that crops up. Like there are things that pitchers have to deal with when they start you know, pitching again, particularly as a starter, 
for the first time in you know 12 months. So, uh, you know, you are going to be very deliberate there, but I do think it's realistic to look at the end of July or very early August as a potential return point for Ryu to the major leagues because you really only do get 30 days on a minor league rehab assignment unless you're going to interrupt it. And uh, Ryu's has begun as of, uh, what, he threw on he threw yesterday, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. So, yeah. you know, that, that rehab assignment <laughs> would expire on, on August 4th. Uh, would we, do you think you'd see him out of the bullpen, or do you think we'd, we'd find a spot for him somewhere on that rotation if you're John Schneider? He's a starter. I mean, yeah. I don't think Hunchin Ryu has ever pitched out of the bullpen in um, North America or in Korea. Like, he's been just a starter for his entire professional career. So I think that that would be his role going forward. Uh, a couple questions around uh, Alejandro Kirk right now and, and some numbers that haven't been, you know, sterling for him over the last couple of months. Do you have a worry level or concern level, Arden, uh, about the production that they're getting from uh, Alejandro Kirk right now? I think the Blue Jays need more from him offensively, certainly. I think you're very encouraged with what he's done defensively. Like If you look at some of the advanced framing metrics and blocking metrics, um, Kirk has been like really good just in the context of LLD there. So you're, you're really encouraged by that. But, I mean, he's, he's, we've seen what he's capable of with the bat uh, last year and over the first you know several seasons of his MLB career, really. And we just haven't seen that to this point um, this year. Uh, he's had you know just about the same strikeout rate and walk rate that he's always had. And like that advanced discipline and that approach um, allows him to be playable throughout some, uh, some power slumps we've seen in the past. But his power slump this year has really been a season-long one. It's strange to see him sitting on only three home runs here as we approach the All-Star break. Um, he missed a little bit of time with injury, but not significant time. He's up over 200 plate appearances. So, you know, you'd like to see him tapping into that power that we know he has a bit more. It's encouraging that he's not hitting as many ground balls as he was earlier this year. I think there's a bit of a mechanical flaw in his swing that was leading to all that rollover to the left side. So you're starting to see some more of that from him. But uh, you, you really do want to see some more of that gap-to-gap power, some more of those opposite field line drives. Uh, and, and turning on a few more mistakes and yanking them over the left field wall. Uh, before we let you go, Arden, uh, first year for you doing some extra stuff with the Jays on the TV side of things. How's the first half of the year been on your uh, new side of your new role of things, I guess, with Sportsnet and the Jays? Good, man. I'm having fun. What do you think? I, I think you'd be fitting great. I think you're doing a great job out there. I think, uh, <laughs> you, look, I mean, the whole crew is so awesome. Everybody, you know, I don't have to tell you from, from what Jamie and Joe do to – the Hazel and the the whole crew. It feels like it's been a, a great season. I was curious to see how it's been for you on a personal level. Uh, no, it's awesome. Like I'm, I'm delighted. I'm having a ton of fun doing it. Uh, I would echo what you're saying. Like I, I work with incredibly uh, talented people and it's not just like in front of the camera. It's the folks behind it as well. Like, you know, producers like Doug Walton and, and Chris Black and Jacob Clark and, you know, directors like Troy Clara and, you know, Scott Carson and, you know, Michael DeAngelis on the stats side. Like, there's everybody who contributes to this broadcast is incredibly talented and passionate no matter what the role is and no matter whether or not you see them on TV. So uh, you know, I'm just trying to fit in there and I'm trying to maintain the very high standard that they have set. And you're still uh, still rolling the podcast with uh, with Ben Nicholson-Smith. What's up uh, with uh, At The Letters right now, man? Yeah, we just recorded one today. So it'll be out tomorrow talking Manoa, obviously. Uh, yeah, talking about the Jays heading to the All-Star break. Our thoughts on 
uh, the first half and sometimes with potential uh, trade deadline targets as well. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Arden, really appreciate the time, man. Uh, great work so far. Been great to see you more on the TV side of things. Thanks for doing this today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Logan. Take, Take care. You. Thanks. Arden's well joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, sportsnet.ca. You see him on the Jays broadcast. Uh, and like I mentioned, at the At The Letters podcast as well. Uh, you can catch him there. The latest episode set to drop a little bit later on today with uh, Arden and Ben Nicholson-Smith. Jays and the Chicago White Sox on your radios and on your televisions. Later on tonight, Jays picking up a big win yesterday. Another 6-10 first pitch tonight. Jose Barrios taking on Lance Lynn. Barrios with an 8-6 record. 3.74 ERA, just over 100 innings pitched this year. Lance Lynn, 5-8, 6.47 ERA, uh, did 96 innings pitched. Uh, White Sox fourth in the Central with a 37-50 and 50 record. Well, the Jays are fourth in their own division uh, with a 46-40 and 40 record. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. back on top of the team lead in RBIs uh, after that big home run yesterday. Jordan Romano with his 25th save of the season as well, coming up on some pretty big milestones uh, for Jordan Romano as far as you know, Blue Jays closers, Canadian closers, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so that's very good for the Jays and uh, for uh, a guy like Jordan Romano. Uh, we'll have more on the Jays report coming up uh, a little bit later today. We also have a Stamps report to get to. Stampeders getting set to travel to Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers this week, part of Week 5 action in the CFL, and they'll have uh, a couple of familiar faces back in the receiving core, so that's good news. We'll hear the latest from McMahon Stadium coming up a little bit later on, and uh, again, continuing our look around the NHL when it comes to some of the busier teams in free agency. Checked in on the Maple Leafs yesterday with Brent Gunning. We'll check in on the Sens with Ian Mendez in hour two. Jonas Corposalo, the big move for the Ottawa Senators in goal. That seems like a risky piece of business for a team uh, that hasn't been able to sort out their goaltending woes the last couple of years. We're still waiting on a potential Alex Debrinkit trade. It sounds like that's uh, getting down to the final few teams. Are they a suitor when it comes to someone like Vladimir Tarasenko? We talked about some of the top free agents remaining uh, in the NHL's free agent pool. Uh, where does Vladimir Tarasenko wind up? Seems like his name has been heavily associated with the Sens and perhaps a, a little bit older, more experienced version of Alex Dabrinkit, possibly. If Dabrinkit doesn't want to stick around, uh, perhaps they go out and replace him with a guy like Vlad Tarasenko. Uh, they were also busy uh, yesterday. They got Travis Hamnick, the former Flames defenseman, re-upped on a two-year contract worth uh, $1.1 million on the AAV. Uh, still got to figure out, um, you know, like we said, what's going on with the goaltending situation. Jonas Corposalo, uh, part of the, the goaltending duo in Ottawa, but looking forward to chatting with Ian uh, when we uh, get into hour two. That's just part of what's coming up. We've been busy already. Thanks to Arden Wazelwelling once again for uh, hopping on with us for a couple minutes there. I uh, do appreciate that. Jays and White Sox again, 610 first pitch here on Sportsnet 960 or you can watch it across the Sportsnet television network. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, kicking things off with a conversation at McMahon Stadium. Stamps report with Patty Dumas next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.